Uh, we're going to turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 together. Ephesians chapter 4. We've kind of done a couple of standalone things here these last couple of weeks. Um, two weeks from now is the Right to Human Life or Right to Life Sunday. Um, and so we're kind of doing some standalone things until we get through that, and we'll start our uh, series for the, the new year after that. Guys, uh, if you come here and this is your place, this is your church, and Christ resides in you, then you, you have a gift to share with us all. You have something to bring. Nobody comes empty-handed to the church. Now, you may come with nothing. All of us come with nothing, and we're emptied of even what we think we have. But uh, God is faithful to fill us again and to give us something to offer. And that's really the heartbeat of this text we're going to look at, Ephesians chapter 4. I think we'll actually start reading in verse 7. But what I want you, what I want myself as well to really recognize today is that uh, the reasoning behind why we serve is here, how we are to serve is here, and even some about uh, discovering and figuring out what it is, how we're wired. And so we really want to look carefully at this text and uh, ask ourselves where we see ourselves and, and what God's doing in our lives. So, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, again, I'm going to start reading in verse 7, and we'll go all the way down to uh, verse 13. So let's start together. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train, and he gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all of the heavens, in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up till we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we start by praying for so many of our our students and uh, student ministry staff away at Green Bay this morning. The work that you are doing in their lives, even at this very moment, is over a hundred of our students and and, uh, leaders hear the gospel, are challenged in their walk with Jesus Christ, and Lord, prayerfully, safely return to us later this afternoon. Help us. Lord, we have read in this passage that you have ascended into heaven and you have all authority. And I pray, Lord, for the one who is struggling with needing your power to show up in their life, that you would have mercy on us today. Lift up our heads. Lord, fill us with a sense of your presence here in this place and help us to understand what it is you want us to understand as a result of this passage. Apply your word to our hearts the way that only 
you can apply the word to our hearts. We're asking that you would change lives this morning. So we pray for help. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know if you thought much about your, uh, your car this morning on your way in. I did not, except that I was preparing for this little illustration, so I did think about my spark plugs and what they were doing in there. You know, uh, they, they spark, and they're plugs, and that's about all I really know about spark plugs. They stay in there, and they shoot at the right time. I do know that if I did not have spark plugs in the car, I would not be here at this time. I would be at home or still walking. So uh, it's, an, it's an amazing thing to see a little tiny part that no one ever talks about that does so much in the, the working of the car. I could take you out in the parking lot and show you my spark plug-less car and impress you with my AM, FM radio. I could impress you with the lovely steering column that all boys look forward to holding in their hands. I could show you my cup holders. The back ones are broken, but that's okay. The front ones still work fine, and they're full of coffee cups. So I could show you all of that, but without spark plugs, it wouldn't work right. And guys, the church is the same way. It's a beautiful thing that we've got the walls and we've got the, the uh, moments of ministry here on Sunday mornings and we're going to talk all about that. But the reality is every one of us is a funny little part that has a role in the, in the glorifying of God in this world together. And, and if you are a funny little part that's on the shelf, we are not operating at peak efficiency here in the church. We need you. It's the bottom line. That's what this passage said. We need you serving within the context of your giftedness here in the church. Now, why or how that happens, why that happens, it really is shown to us here this morning. You have a gift that has been given to you by Christ. And that's really where we're going to start here this morning. That Christ gives foundational, word-based gifts to the church. We're going to look at the word-based part in just a minute. But, but look what we have Uh, leading up to that, verse 11. It was He who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists. And so the first question I have for this text this morning is, why did He give gifts to you and me? Why do we have gifts? If we look back at the verses just prior to that, we get some clue as to why you and I have been gifted. It says here that that Christ descended. So the second member of the Trinity, existing forever and ever, descended to earth and lived in this earth as a man. So if you want more about that, turn over to Philippians chapter 2. You can make a little note or a note on your notes that reminds you to look at this later. But in Philippians chapter 2, we find out that Christ was made lower than angels, that he took on him the form of servants. And not just any servant, the kind of servant that would die, and not just any death, but would, would be obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The ultimate expression of Christ descending in humanity is His crucifixion. But the story doesn't end there. Because we also see in those verses, 7-10, through 10, that Christ ascended. He ascended on high, and when he did that, he led captives free in his train. And what we are seeing here is that as he has ascended, all power is given to him. We could go back to Philippians 2 and see the same thing. That after he descended, because he was obedient even to point death, the death on a cross, he is 
glorified. He is given a name above every name, so that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father. So his, the ultimate expression of his ascension, or excuse me, of his, uh, his, yeah, his ascension is his ascension. So if he came down, he also went up, and all the power in the universe belongs to Christ Jesus. He has put death under his subjection. He has put hell under his subjection. There is not a place in the universe where there exists authority over Christ Jesus. He has it all. So now, I don't know how you would answer this, but some of us come to Christ Jesus when we hear things like that and say, okay, Lord, all authority belongs to you. And so now here in 2013, I've got my list of stuff that I think it would be great if you would do since you have all the authority. Do you have a list like that? If you have all the authority in the universe, I would like for you to overcome my bad financial decisions and drop money on my kitchen table. Some of us have that request. He has all the authority in the universe. He could do that. If you have all the authority in the universe, I would like for you to heal now. And you fill in the blank of what kind of healing you need. If you have all the authority in the universe, I would like this relationship. I'd like to go back in time to the time when I said that one thing or did that one thing, and I would like to undo what I did. Or, since you have all the authority in the universe, God, how about if you just go back and undo it for me and so that I don't have to live through the consequences of my actions. He doesn't do those things. Now, it's not wrong to pray for healing. We should pray for healing. We should pray for relational wholeness. We should pray for God to move. We should pray while we're trying to get out of financial struggles. Don't get me wrong. But look, this passage says he has all the power in the universe, and it says what he's going to do with it. Let's take a look. To each one, verse 7, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? We already talked about that. He, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens. We talked about that. What are you going to do with the power and the authority you have over everything? Here's what he's going to do. In order to fill the whole universe. So with all of the power in the universe, Christ is going to fill the universe and make it exactly how he intends it to be, and he's going to do that by giving gifts to you and me as he builds his church. Do you see that? That blows my mind. That he gave Gifts. He decentralized, if you will. He gave gifts to all of us who know Jesus as Lord and Savior to do a supernatural thing together in the church. Because that's exactly what he's doing day after day after day. Political systems will change. Monetary systems will change. Things will come and things will go. But here we know for sure Christ will always build his church faithfully to the end. And he's always going to do it with the power he has because he's risen from the dead and he's at his rightful place sitting at the right hand of God forever. He's, He's sitting because he's accomplished everything he wanted to accomplish. And now... 
with the power he has, he's saying, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give gifts to men to build my kingdom, and nothing that the world tries to do to stop it will, take play, will, will stop it. Nothing will stop it. You have a gift to be used in the building of Christ's church until he comes again. And that's the essence of, of chapter 4 and verse 11. Christ gives foundational word-based gifts. I love the fact that this passage, this verse, starts out saying, it was he who gave these gifts. Christ gave the gifts. You don't line up for gifts and say, well, look, I want this one or that one. Christ apportions them and Christ gives them. And he goes through and he says, look, the the foundational gifts that all the other gifts are based on are the word-based gifts for the church. And what I mean by that is to say this, that apostles and prophets is the, and the evangelist and the pastor and the teacher, the teaching of God's word is what fuels everything. You could have a lot of different kind of gifts. We're going to look at that in a minute. Whatever the gift is that you have from God, it needs to be fueled by the word of God taught accurately. Apostles saw the resurrection of Christ and they were on a mission. And the word apostle there, it really means they were they, they walked in the authority of the one who sent them. Apostles, we think of the, the 12 apostles minus one, and Matthias added, and then Paul added, and then James added, all these who saw a resurrected Jesus Christ. It was a foundation for the church. They were teaching the word, and they saw a resurrected Christ. Prophets, not ones who can predict the future. That's not what a prophet's about. Prophet is one who reminds the church, representing God to the church, and saying to the church, don't forget the covenant that God has made with us in Christ Jesus. That's what a prophet is. He's an exhorter, uh, uh, prophetess too. She's an exhorter who reminds the church that uh, Christ's uh, uh, covenant is real and must not be forgotten. The evangelist is somebody who who accurately teaches the gospel to the church in these contexts like this, and and he uh, proclaims it, the teacher, the evangelist, proclaims it in such a way that it's clear to people and it's understanding. And that is, by the way, a very good gift to the church. Don't think that because you're in the church, you don't need the gospel. You need to know it. You need to love it. You need to rehearse it in your mind. You need daily to treasure this truth that you were far from the one who owns all. You were far from the God of the universe that I became his enemy and I had no way to make it right. And only in his gift to me in Jesus Christ, Christ taking my place, do I have any hope. Christ takes on him him my sin. Christ gives to me his righteousness. When God sees me, he sees his beloved and perfect son and it is all of grace and it is all of God. We need to rehearse it all the time. We need to rehearse it so that we'll treasure it. We need to rehearse it so that we'll love it. We need to rehearse it so that we'll speak it and proclaim it so that we'll, we'll, we'll quickly be talking about it when we're in the coffee shops with our friends, when we're in the neighborhoods with our neighbors. We need to regularly rehearse it here in this place. And God gives the gift of evangelists to do that for the church. Obviously, he also gives the gift of evangelists so that when people come into the church setting, and so that when those evangelists goes, go out, people will be converted to Christ. Some of us have a specific gift. We are evangelists. 
and we're better. And I say we, not me. I don't feel like I have that gift. But we, we go out and we can make clear the gospel to people and God is working in a profound way through the evangelist to bring people to faith. And the pastor and the teacher, shepherding, taking care of the flock, teaching the word week after week after week so that it's clear to you and to me. Listen, all the gifts spring from those gifts. Those gifts are the foundation. The accurate understanding of God's word and the growth in faith and love of Jesus Christ with our whole heart is the position from which you and I need to operate our spiritual gifts. Is that where you're at? Some of us can get dry. So we're doing our spiritual gift. We signed up to serve. We're doing it. We're going through the motions. But if we're, to be honest, the last time we, we consciously served from a position of being obedient to the Word of God might have been a long time for us. And if that's the case here today, that's exactly why Paul wrote this to us. To say, look, he gave you the gift of teachers and apostles so that it would be real and so that it would be fuel. And going back to the car illustration, we need our spark plugs, but basically we're saying this is the gasoline, this is the fuel for why we do what we do. And obviously if you run out of gas, you're not going anywhere. It's a beautiful thing when the gas tank gets filled up. So with his limitless power, Christ is going to fill the entire universe by building his church, and he's going to build his church by giving men and women gifts to be used to, to build up the church. Okay, These are foundational. We talked about that. Let me just say there's a couple of extremes that we really have to avoid when we come to understanding these gifts. The first extreme is this. You know, I'm going to church, and so, uh, listen, after church we'll do this, 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 that, and, uh, and we plan our lives, and we don't mean to do this, but we, in essence, we, we put an hour and 15 minutes in the work week or in the scheduled week, and we say, well, that's church. That's where I go to, to serve and hear the word of God. That, that, that's church. And we have to be careful when we do that. Because the teaching of God's word is the foundation from which all of the gifts spring. But it's not the end. I mean, you, you and I hearing Gary, our senior pastor, and by the way, if you're visiting here today, I'm John, one of the pastors on staff here. Our senior pastor is Gary. He's not here today. Or he is here today, but he's not preaching today. Um, so just, hello, nice to see you. I <laughs> just thought I'd in- introduce myself. Um, so it's really important, though, that you understand that, that this isn't it. The church is not this game where you, you get up in the morning, you put on your best clothes, you go hang out with people, you hear the word taught, you go home, that's church. No, church is a place of called out ones where we gather together so that from this foundation, our gifts can be used to build up the church day after day and moment by moment through the week. This is just the place where we are getting our tanks full so that we don't serve in some fake way. This isn't the end of church. This is the beginning of church as we meet here on Sunday morning. So we want to avoid the extreme to think that where you hear the teaching of the word or where you heard the guy sing or where you gave the money in the plate, that that's church. This is just where we meet to hear the word taught, to get ready to go out to serve. The other extreme we want to avoid is to say, well, there really is no distinction whatsoever. You know, listen, all through the New Testament, and what I mean by that is all through the New Testament is Paul appointed elders in the various churches. There is a, there is a spiritual authority that's right and good this church together 
hired Gary 16 years ago and said, come be our senior pastor, recognizing a spiritually authoritative position. That is not to say that Gary puts people under thumbs and he calls all the shots. That is to say that, that, that there is a sense where God is giving gifts. If, if we would say, even in this passage here, we could, we could put names next to the gift that, that is listed in verse 11 and say, well, it was he who gave some to be apostles. We, we could name 11 people, and, and Paul and James, Matthias. And some to be prophets. We could name some of the New Testament prophets. We know who those people are who are God's gift to the church. Evangelists. We know that the, the deacons in Acts chapter 6 were called uh, to, to serve and that Philip was the evangelist later in, in Acts. So we know who these people are. And the same is true in the local church. We don't want to get to this point where we, we say, well, Gary does all the work, but neither do we want to get to the point where we don't recognize the giftedness that we have in our elders and we have in the offices that God has given us. And that is a beautiful thing. We need each other. You guys remember December 20th, 1980? Now that I know what happened, or, or I remember, I rehearsed what happened, I remember the day very well. It was a Saturday. The weather was crummy outside. And I sat in my house until I think it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon waiting for the game to start because on December 20th, 1980, NBC broadcast a football game between the Jets and the Dolphins with no announcers. There was no commentary whatsoever. And, and I'll read their rationale here. Again, 1980, I was 10 years old. It was a meaningless season-ending game for two mediocre NFL teams, but Don Olmeyer turned, turned it into a happening and a piece of history. Olmeyer, who now works with ESPN, announced the decision in October, and it served several purposes for executive producers of NBC Sports. He always had believed announcers talked too much. Hear, hear. But also, NBC was in a ratings game, and they had the weaker AFC markets at the time. They were trying to, to get ratings up. Here we had this dog of a game, Olmeyer said. Part of my thinking was that we could possibly do, what could we possibly do to get fans to watch this game? People could follow a game with pictures and graphics and hearing the PA announcer in the background. Literally, they told the PA announcer, do a little more announcing than normal so people could hear it. Do you guys remember this game? I remember it like it was yesterday. Dick Enberg, who's an announcer for ESPN now, said, my first reaction was one of incredible nervousness. We're paid to talk. So all of us want to fill the air with lots of exciting words. We all gathered together, said Enberg, hoping that Olmeyer was dead wrong. I mean, he was flirting with the rest of our lives. What if this crazy idea really worked? So the NBC lined the sidelines with sensitive microphones all around them. The problem was that the NFL would not allow any of the players to be mic'd or anything, so the audio was not nearly rock solid. There was all sorts of strange noises going on, buzzings and things sounding like a frying pan. The only thing, I remember it well because if you had to leave the room for any reason, you couldn't hear what was going on, and you had to gauge your reaction when it was time to come back in the room by the, the crowd noise because the crowds would cheer, and you go, wait, something must be happening. I've got to get back in there. Said Enberg, the final outcome, with much relief, was the fact that after watching for a quarter or two, you knew that something was missing. It was us, he said. And listen, guys, these foundational word-based gifts are the beginning, but they're not the end. 
No sports announcer would say, they came to see me, right? But, but they add something. And there's no doubt that God gives gifts, and those gifts are the word-based gifts that encourage you and me to use our gifts righteously. Well, the second thing I want us to see here is found in the next verse, verse 12, and that's that Christ prepares every believer for good works. He, he prepares us all. In fact, here's what he said. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Listen, we are here to build up the body of Christ. We're here to build it up with health. And we're going to see that in the next verse. We're also here to build it up somewhat numerically. I mean, we certainly want people to hear the gospel and respond to it. Now, we're not all about getting numbers and, 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 and trying to make ourselves the biggest or the best, but we are all about using our gifts for God's glory. We are all about announcing the hope of the gospel so that the people of Sheboygan know that there's a king to submit to. The place of preparation for you using your gifts is here, is in the church. It's under the teaching of the word. We've already covered that. And so if you have a gift to use, it needs to be fostered by a love of the gospel and a love of Jesus Christ. And the primary place of service is the church. It's not the only place. We're going to see that also in just a few minutes. These works of service are innumerable works of service. There is no place where we've got a list and we say, well, now these are the the 19 spiritual gifts and you've got one of them and take this little test and then you know you've got that gift and so now go find a way to use that gift. It's not like that at all. Basically, God has wired you and he wants you to use all of who you are to serve him. So if you are motivated by Christ's power and reign, which is what this text started with, you are motivated by the fact that he rules over the world and he is building his church, and you are empowered by Christ's giving. In other words, you have come before the Lord and said, Christ, what is my gift? I see that you gave me this gift and I'm responsible to you to use it. And you are executing this gift to build up Christ's body. Then you can have innumerable gifts. A couple months ago, I had somebody come to me and I'd asked them about a year ago to be involved in youth ministry and now I don't even make those decisions anymore. But that person said to me, you know, um, listen, uh, I, I serve at a uh, public school and uh, I'm a coach and I'm sorry that I couldn't help out with uh, high school ministry, but, but that's really my, my ministry is my role here in, in coaching this team. And can I just tell you that that man is motivated by Christ's power and reign. He's empowered by Christ's giving. He is executing his gift to build up Christ's body, and he is absolutely right. He's absolutely right that his ministry can be to coach. You can, do, you can do ministries in so many different ways. Can I just pause and say, if you are a public school teacher in here today, and you are motivated by Christ's power and reign, empowered by Christ's giving, executing your gift to build up Christ's body as you love and serve with, with everything you are, God bless you. We are so thankful for you. We stand with you. And you can use your gift outside the church and inside the church. You can use your gift in, in formal ways with ministries that are established and in informal ways with love and a heart to serve. You can use your gifts in a, millions of different ways. But we are going to look at the, the gifts. Romans chapter 12, and if you're not going to turn with me, that's okay, but I'll just tell you where all the, the gifts 
are found in lists in the New Testament. Romans 12, 6-8. Let me read what this says. Here are some gifts that are enumerated or listed for us so we can understand it. We have different gifts. Romans 12, 6. According to the grace given us, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, there's a gift, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, that is literally financial. Giver. You organized your life in such a way that your money is is not tripping you up and you have money to share and give. If that's your gift, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So Romans 12, 6 through 8, some gifts are listed. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, some more gifts are listed. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10 says this. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. And to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. The gifts are from Christ. If, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, stay there, verses 28 through 30. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Of course not. Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And the last place I'll have you turn is 1 Peter chapter 4, another list of the gifts. My point here is to not to try to list every gift. There is no place where I believe that every gift is listed. My point is to show you that there's many different kinds of gifts to use, and you need to go to the Lord and, and ask Him to reveal to you what your gifts are all about. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. By the way, can I just stop there? We, don't, we aren't given gifts to build ourselves up. You aren't given a gift to say, hey, look, I'm a spark plug and I'm important and without me this place can't run. Right? That's not the idea of the gifts. The gifts are not used so that you have higher spiritual self-esteem. The, the gifts exist to build up Christ and to make Him known. And so, if you have a gift, it's, it must be used to build this body, this corporate body up, all of us. That's what the gift is for. It's for all of us to enjoy what God has done in giving you the gift. That is a beautiful thing. And he underscores that when we get here in a minute to verse 13. 1 Peter 4.10, I'm sorry, I uh, 
interrupted myself. Each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So we come to this question. How do I know what my gift is? I'll say two things about that. I don't think it's really important that you know exactly the handle or the exact word for your gift. And what I mean by that is we all need to serve wherever, wherever there's an opportunity to serve, okay? So, so if you say, well, I've got the gift of uh, encouragement, that doesn't mean that you won't serve in a certain place. But you say, well, I'm, I'm gifted over here and, uh, and there's a need over there, but I don't really want to serve over there because I'm waiting for a need to open up here even though right now we don't have a need right here. Well, that's not how it works, okay? And so... It's important that we understand what our gifts are about. It's important that we understand what we like to do and what we're good at. Uh, But it's also important to realize that you're called to serve the Lord together with gladness. Now, we are the most efficient when we get our giftedness in the right spot. And so that's the role of church leaders and, and others here to put us all in the right spot so that we don't put the spark plug from the you know, 65 Mustang into the spark plug hole of the 2008 Cadillac Eldorado. You know, it just, it won't quite work right. It won't be efficient. And so we certainly do want to be efficient as an organism when we are answering to God and when we are really the expression of his power in this world. We, we do want to be efficient. So how do I find out where, what my gift is? And the first thing I would say, study the word. We just talked about the passages in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4 where, where we talked about the passage that talks about different kinds of gifts. You should, you should study those passages. The second thing we should do is to pray and ask that the Lord would show us and reveal to us how we're gifted and how we fit in the body. The third thing we should do and by the way, these one, two, three points I'm making right here are actually from James Montgomery Boyce, uh, who wrote a, uh, a commentary on this passage. Third thing is to make an assessment of your spiritual strengths and abilities. Hey, what do you like to do? That, that won't always answer the question perfectly, but what you like to do is really important to understand. If you're gifted and with your work, you, you're an administrator, Oh, listen, maybe there's a place to do administration in the kingdom of God where that would be empowered by God to build his kingdom until he comes again. And so understanding what you like to do is a big part of it. I think some of us think that God is in the business of making our life miserable. It's that old, look, Lord, I'll serve you wherever you want me to serve you, but not Africa, anything but Africa. And the next day, you get a letter in the mail from Africa. Dear John, please come to Africa. And you're like, oh, I knew it was going to be Africa. I knew it. God is going to make me do the thing I hate to do. Listen, that is not true. That is not true. God has gifted you. And when you use the gift that God has given you, you begin to experience what the New Testament calls fullness of life. 
When Gary stood up here a week or two or three weeks ago and said, it's a wonder, full life. Part of the full life experience is you operating in the realm of building the kingdom of God, the, the highest, the pinnacle of human existence, and knowing that you're doing it with grace and doing it well and doing it because you are fueled to do it by the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a beautiful thing. I remember when between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I served uh, with a junior high group and we took a trip and on the bus, on the way to the camp, the 7th or 8th grade boy next to me uh, prayed the prayer to trust Christ as Lord and Savior. And there had been many things in my life that were beginning to move me towards ministry in my mind. Nikki had been praying for me. I'd been finding that I like to be with people. I'd been loving it. But I believe that day of leading this kid named Jamie Vida to the Lord in a bus on the way to camp was the moment that I was called and sensed the call in my heart to ministry. I lived for a year on the excitement of that moment. And listen, when you use your gifts and skills in ministry, there is no greater calling, there is no greater feeling, there is no greater hope. Now, we don't serve for feeling, but listen, when your gifts and skills are in play, you, you begin to know it, and you begin to sense. Listen, if everything was lost in the garden, when Adam fell into sin, and sin came, and there's a curse in this world, and in Jesus Christ, he reverses that curse, then the pinnacle of kingdom living right now is you and me serving with our gifts to extend the kingdom and bring hope to the hopeless in the world, to bring life to the dead, to bring the gospel to the blinded. That is, there is no higher place for you or me to live in the world. You serving? Do you sense that God has given you a gift that is beating in your heart? Do you, do you, do you, are you fit in the right spot? Are you finding that that gift is not just something that you could use outside the church, but it's something you can use inside the church? It's not something you use for yourself. It's not a gift that was used to build you up. It's a, it's a gift that's used to build up the body. Make an assessment of your spiritual strengths. Listen, share, share this gift, right? If you're really good at something and, 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 and you are growing in your, your love for that thing, let's just say, for instance, it's hospitality, right? You don't want to be the person who's just doing hospitality all the time and then the, the, the focus can, if we're not careful, become on us. What we want to be doing is saying, look, i got the gift of hospitality. I'm going to do hospitality, and I'm going to teach other people to do hospitality as well. I'm going to share the wealth. I'm going to delegate. I'm going to get other people's gifts involved here as well. Because God has gifted all of us to work together. That's when Christ gets the glory. When we are all working together, there's a profound glory for God in that moment. Another way we find out how we're gifted, we serve. Start serving someplace. You'll find out if that's not your gift. I have found out many places I am not gifted. I have served in some areas for a while, even though I'm not gifted in that area, because there was a need. Maybe you have too. Start serving. 
So we are we're studying the Word, we're praying, we're making an assessment of what we're good at, what we like to do, and we're serving, and then ask the people that you serve with. And, and ask them to confirm or deny the gift that you think you have in that area. Seek the Lord and seek the, the advice of Christian brothers and sisters as well. All right. So we're seeing that, that, that Christ is all, he's the one who gives these foundational word-based gifts. From these foundational word-based gifts, uh, every one of us has a gift to share, and we're serving, as long as we're serving with the motivations we talked about, we can do it outside, in the streets, with our neighbors. We can serve here in the church. We're all, we all have a gift to bring. And thirdly, we have to realize that together, Christ is our goal. As I said before, our goal is not a huge church. Our goal is not a cool website. Our our goal is not uh, to to be mentioned on the first page when you do Google searches of Google. Those are all good things, but our our goal is the glory of Jesus Christ in all that we do. Check out verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of of the fullness of Christ. This word starts out with the word until. So this verse, excuse me, starts out with the word until. And there's this this sense in which uh, Paul is saying, look, we we know we're not there yet. So we're going to keep serving together, all of us with our various kinds of gifts, until we come to unity in, in faith and unity in knowledge of the Son of God. By the way, if we started with the word-based gifts that, that fuel everything, we're ending with the, with the word-based gifts that fuel everything. Because we need unity in faith and in our love of and knowledge of the Son of God. And that comes through teaching the word. So we start and end with the word as our hope. And in the meantime, we are all serving in all these various ways with unity and with Christ as our hope and with Christ as our, as our aim. Look what it says there. It says, we all serve together. Verse 13 again. um, Until we all reach unity in the faith. The way I view the church is kind of like an escalator in that you, you get on it and through the course of time you are sanctified and you're growing and you begin to kind of go up the escalator a little bit. But the goal of the church is not to get a bunch of individuals to the top of the escalator. It's not our goal. The goal of the church is, is to look at the escalator and say, look, we are all going up this maturity, Christ-honoring escalator together. And so anybody who's left at the bottom, you need to kind of get on here. If you have a two-year-old, you know what I'm talking about. Now, many times I've been tempted at the top of the escalator with my two-year-old still at the bottom, walking backwards down, or three-year-old, walking down the escalator to leave. That would be great. I made it to the top. That was my goal Leave him there. He'll eventually figure out that this is not a good place to be. But listen, that's not the church. The church is to turn around and to bring us all together to maturity in Christ Jesus. And so where we have people getting on the escalator at the beginning, those of us who are mature are saying, listen, here's here's the opportunity we have to give a gift, to be mature, to not move on, not just say, look, I got this checked off my list. I'm mature. Look, if you're checking something off the list saying, I'm mature, let me just tell you something. You're not mature. <laughs> you're not. 
And so we have this love of the people that we are forbearing with and saying, look, there's some immature people walking backwards at the bottom of the escalator. And we all together as a church need to go up. Some of us are going to have to go back. Maybe all of us are going to have to go back. Let's get around them in love. Let's show them the way of the escalator. Let's show them the way of Jesus Christ. Let's teach them the ways of Scripture. Let's go together. We all is this corporate status which emphasizes the reality of us all traveling together. F.F. Bruce said it this way as we continue to look at verse 13. The glorified Christ provides the standard at which his people are to aim. The glorified Christ is the one seated at the right hand of God the Father. He's the one who accomplished perfectly the will of God the Father. He's the one who who set out to do the will and did the will. And he is the one at whom together we corporately are aiming. One day we will sit down with him. One day our work in this world will be over. And we will be with him forever. That is the goal of this body of believers with all of these working, moving parts. And we will not be satisfied until we are like him. On the one hand, we know that that is not going to happen perfectly in this world. And on the other hand, we are not discouraged by that news. Because we give ourselves over to the Spirit and we ask for His help. We ask for Him to live in us. We ask for Him to guide us and direct us. We ask for Him to work in the immature among us. We ask for His grace and mercy in our midst. And and Bruce continues by saying this. Let me start again at the beginning. The glorified Christ provides the standard at which His people are to aim. The corporate Christ cannot be content to fall short of the perfection of the personal Christ. And we are not content to fall short. Listen, guys, if you have a gift to use, and let me, let me say it this way, if you are in Christ Jesus, you have a gift to use. 2013 is your year. To find a way, whether outside the walls of this church or inside, whether casual or formal, whether, whether free-flowing free or within the context of an organized ministry, we, Christ, need you. And Christ has put all of the rulers of this world under his subjection, and his plan to rule the world is not him showing up at halftime of the Super Bowl with a clever commercial. His plan for ruling this world and extending his kingdom in this world is the church. It's you and me. And he's given gifts to men and women for us to use faithfully, together, with him as our aim until we see him. That's what 2013 is going to be about. How you're going to serve differently, how I'm going to serve differently, I I can't necessarily answer that question. That is the goal of this body, for us to serve together. If you are the spark plug and you are never seen, can I say to you, you are loved. We appreciate all six of you. Or are we an eight-cylinder? I'm not sure. We appreciate all of you who are spark plugs. We know we need you. 
And when you are doing such amazing work and not thanked, we want to make sure that you are thanked sometimes. But we know that you're under the hood and your thanksgiving, it comes from glorifying Christ. It doesn't come from somebody patting you on the back and saying, hey, nice job. It comes from realizing this. You're doing what the creator of the universe designed you to do. And that is a beautiful thing. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Father, as we go from this place, I pray that we are going with a new sense of purpose. Lord, for for somebody in this room who is discouraged by life, there is no doubt that one of the answers to encouragement is to live out the intentions of the creator of the universe for your life. And while we do not serve so we get good feelings, there is no doubt that serving in the right place fulfills us and brings us great joy. So I pray not only that we would all be serving this year, I pray that you would fulfill our joy as we with one mind saying we don't want to be counted, we don't want to be numbered, we don't need to be thanked. We're all going to just serve together with the mind of Christ submitting ourselves to you. And we pray that you would give the increase. Lord, our great desire is that you would call people to repentance in Sheboygan County. You would bring life where there's not life. Help us. Make it clear to us, Lord, even as we start feeling like we're looking through this glass kind of dimly and we don't have all the answers and we start serving someplace and we're not sure if that's the place or we start thinking about how to serve and we're not sure we're on the right track, Lord, lead us in the way that we should go and help us together to make much of Jesus. And so we commit ourselves now into your care. In Jesus' name, amen.